וגם אני פתאום Welcome everyone to Kolot Live and our annual raffle drawing. Thank you so much everyone for coming. Thank you to all of our event sponsors. You can find all of our sponsors for this event and the entire campaign in the pamphlets. And thank you to Ari Hazan and Delicious Food tonight, catering by Ari. This campaign supports all the Torah learning and all the Torah programming, teaching, learning that we do at the Kolel. So it's a great honor for everyone, for all of you to come here this evening, to enjoy this evening with tonight's very special guest, Columbus's very own Archie Griffin. Thank you. Archie, thank you for being here. It is a great pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. So I, I was listening to people as they uh, came upstairs and they introduced themselves to you. Like, remember me, Archie? <laughs> Growing up, Eastmore High? Eastmore High School Warriors. Eastmore High. All right. So what was it like growing up here in Columbus? Ah, I, I thought it was fantastic. You know, I, I, um, I come from a, a fairly large family. I've got six brothers and a sister and uh, grew up right out here uh, in Berwick area. Berwick. Uh, and... Uh, 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 My, my mother and father uh, were great uh, parents. Uh, they really, really uh, wanted to make sure that all their kids uh, did well in school and, and got a chance to get a college education. Matter of fact, uh, we had three goals when I was growing up. And the first one was for all of us to always trust God. The second one was for all of us to get an education, a college education. And the third one was for all of us to participate in athletics. They wanted uh-huh. us to be involved in athletics because... Athletics uh, really teaches a lot of life's lessons. And so they wanted to make sure that we got involved in athletics. But they really wanted to make sure that we really got an education. That was so very important to them because they did not get a college education. They wanted to make sure all eight of their kids got it. Wow. And uh, that's something that uh, my folks have always been uh, very proud of. Uh, neither one of them are here now, but uh, they've always, they were always very, very proud of that. Well, well, at the Cola, we're fans of education, yeah, so we like that. Well, that's what it's about. <laughs> I understand your college career had a little bit of a rough start. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. You know, when I, when I was uh, in high school, I was recruited by a number of different colleges. And I remember when, when Ohio State started recruiting me. Ohio State actually started recruiting me kind of late uh, mm. because it was after my senior year at Eastmore and And a lot of other schools had already uh, recruited me. Uh, Northwestern was one that was really, uh, really after me. Team Up North, Michigan, uh, they were really after me. As a matter of fact, I used to sit on a board with Bo Schimbeckler, and he used to always tell me that Woody would have never recruited me uh. if he hadn't recruited me first. And I didn't think about that back then, but he was probably right. Uh, but uh, when, when, when Ohio State started recruiting me, a lot of people right here in Columbus A lot of them told me that I shouldn't go to Ohio State. They said, Archie, you know, yeah, yeah, you're too small. You know, Coach Hayes, he only recruits those big backs, well over 200 pounds. If you go there, you're going to get lost in the shuffle. Yeah, you probably ought to go somewhere where, where they like your size. Well, being an athlete, you know, I felt I knew my abilities better than anyone else, so I took it as a challenge uh-huh. to go to Ohio State. And I'll never forget, when I reported to camp in the summer of 1972, when I reported to camp, I was put at the back. And that meant playing on the fifth team. And, and, and playing on the fifth team, that means playing on the scout squad. And 
I think some of you know what that is. That's more or less the meat squad. Uh-huh. Because we were the guys that took the beating every day in practice from the first teamers. Our job was to run the opposing team's plays while the first team defense got their practice off of us. Now, that was quite discouraging. But uh, it was discouraging because for some strange reason, you know, our defense always seemed to know what plays you're running. So you couldn't gain any yards at all against that defense because they knew pretty much what you were going to do. Well, that year, our first game was a home game. And let me preface this by saying that uh, my first year was the first year the freshmen were eligible to play varsity football. Before that, freshmen, they had a freshman season. They could not play varsity. So with that being the case, my goal was to make the varsity team because I wanted to prove to a lot of the people who said that I couldn't play at Ohio State, I wanted to prove to them that I could play at Ohio State. Well, again, when I reported to camp, I was put at the back playing on the fifth team. Our first game that year against the University of Iowa. And because it was a home game, Coach Hayes, he allowed everybody to dress because he believed that if you practice for Ohio State, then you should be identified in Ohio right. State University uniform at a home game. Right. And I was really happy about that because at least it would show that I was part of the team, even though we had three number 45s out on the field that day. <laughs> well, the night before every home game, Coach Hayes, he would take the varsity, which was about 60 players or so, he'd take them off campus to a hotel. And we as freshmen and reserves, we would stay in the dormitories, and we'd meet up with the varsity at the end of the game at the stadium. Well, we met up with the varsity at the end of the game at the stadium against Iowa. game against Iowa started. We were beating them pretty bad. And in the fourth quarter with a couple minutes to go in the game, Coach Hayes decided to give a couple freshmen an opportunity to play. And I was one of those freshmen, and I can remember him calling me off the bench to go into the game. I remember that I was very excited. Got into the game really excited about uh, the opportunity that I had. Got into the huddle. First play called was an 18 sweep. Now, an 18 sweep was a pitch out to me going around the right side. Well, this was really a great opportunity for me. Well, we broke the huddle, lined up in the eye formation. Quarterback started calling the signals. And as he started calling the signals, I got to thinking. I said, you know, I wonder if our offensive line is going to open up the same type of hole for me as they've opened up for our other running backs to run through because all day long, he had been making these big, huge holes for our running backs to run through. And I just wondered, were they going to do the same thing for me? Well, the ball was snapped. And as soon as the ball was snapped, I did something that was fundamentally wrong. You see, if you're a, a running back or a receiver and you're going to get a pitch out or a pass, one of the fundamental things that you're taught from day one is you've got to look the ball into your hands. You've got to watch it come from the quarterback's hands into your own hands. Well, when the ball was snapped, the first thing that I did is I focused my attention on the hole in which I was going to run through. And when I looked towards that hole, I was shocked because those guys had opened up a hole big enough you could drive a truck through it. I mean, the hole was just that big. So instead of me turning back towards the quarterback and watching the ball come into my hands, I kept my eyes on that hole because I wanted to make sure it didn't go anywhere. Me with my eyes on the hole, the quarterback pitched the ball to me, the ball hit me in the hands, and I fumbled. And that's just one thing you do not want to do when you play for Coach Woody Hayes. You do not want to fumble. Well, he took me out of the game after that, and as you can imagine, I was pretty disappointed. I mean, I, I felt as if I had blown my big opportunity. I remember going home that night, my father said something was wrong with me. He asked me about it, and I told him. I said, you know, Daddy, I don't know that I'll get another chance to play uh, this year. Being a freshman, being the fifth-team tailback, being on the scout squad, now just having fumbled. I just didn't know if I'd get another opportunity to play. Well, my father was a guy who was very, very positive, and, and he, he always uh, said things that would try to pick me up. And he always told me that, he said, Archie, 
they wouldn't have put you in the game right then if they didn't think you could play. You'll get another shot. I went back to practice that next week, still on the fifth team, still on the scout squad, still taking that beating every day from the first teamers. But our next game was also a home game, and it was against the University of North Carolina. Night before the game, Coach Hayes, he took the varsity back away to the hotel, and we as freshmen reserve stayed in the dormitory, met up with the varsity, did a game at the stadium. The game against North Carolina started. First quarter, North Carolina blocked a punt of ours, and they went ahead of us 7 to nothing. And all of a sudden, midway through the first quarter, a call from the bench called Griffin. Kept calling Griffin. I, I knew he wasn't talking to me. I mean, he couldn't have meant me. I mean, I was a fifth-team tailback. But they kept calling Griffin. Well, I was the only Griffin on the team at the time, so I went up to Coach Hayes. He grabbed me by the shoulder pad, and he said, go in the tailback. Well, right then I got all excited, went to run out onto the field, and when I went to run out on the field, one of my teammates called me back because in all the excitement, I had forgotten to take my helmet with me. <laughs> Could not believe. Could not believe that he had meant for me to go into the game. I mean, I was the fifth-team tailback. I was on the scout squad. I was a freshman. I had fumbled the week before. How could he admit for me to go in the game? It was truly a mystery to me. All I can tell you is that I got myself together. I went into the game. I'll be honest with you. I was in a daze the whole time, but my number was being called, and I was running with the ball, and I know that I played about two and a half quarters. And when I came out of the game in the beginning of the fourth quarter, the 86,000 fans that went to Ohio Stadium at that time, they stood up and gave me a standing ovation. And they did that because in those two and a half quarters, I had to rush for 239 yards, which at that time was no Ohio State rushing record. That's good. And I'll never, never, ever, ever forget that moment. That, that, that moment, I played a lot of football. Started when I was nine years old, played my last game when I was 31 years old. So that's about 23 years of football. And I had a lot of good times playing football. But that was the most exciting moment that I wow. had playing the game of football. Amazing. Yeah. What a story. Well, it was exciting. It was. Amazing. Yeah. So, you know, when you have an event, sometimes you want to text friends, you know, can you come? You know, so you text them the flyer. So there was a friend I texted the flyer of tonight's event, and he wrote me back something like, Archie the two-timer. <laughs> so tell us about that second Heisman Trophy, and what, ke- what keeps you humble, assuming you're humble? Uh, okay. <laughs> well, I'd like to believe that I'm humble. Um, yeah, winning uh, the Heisman, certainly a fabulous honor. Uh, but I, I will tell you, and this is probably what keeps me humble, you don't win a Heisman without a great team. I mean, I was very fortunate, and I tell people all the time, I was in the right place at the right time with the right people. I mean, I think about uh, my teammates. I had great teammates. We had great teams. Uh, we won four Big Ten championships, played in four Rose Bowls. That doesn't happen. Didn't happen back then very often. Uh, so I had great team, had great coaches and Woody Hayes. Uh, so I, I feel like I was very, very fortunate. I feel like I was blessed being put in the right place at the right time. But winning the Heisman Trophy that second time, that was, that was tough. You, you win it the first time uh, and, and, and you're really happy about it. But wow, you got to come back another year. And Coach Hayes, he, he used to have this saying that uh, used to, Bother me a little bit. He used to always say you're either getting better or you're getting worse. You'd never stay the same. So being a 19, 20-year-old, I'm thinking, well, in order for me to be better, you know, I, I, I got to win the Heisman Trophy again. <laughs> so deep down inside, I wanted to win the Heisman Trophy. Mm-hmm. But nobody had won it twice, and, and I didn't know if they'd even give it to anybody twice. But deep in my heart, if anybody would ask me, I would tell you, I wanted to win the Heisman Trophy 
uh, my senior year, certainly more than I wanted to win it in my junior year. I mean, if I don't it, didn't win it my junior year, that's not a problem. And even if I, if, if I didn't win it my junior year and then didn't win it my senior year, that'd be no problem. But after having won it, it makes you want to do it again. I mean, I imagine that Caleb Williams, the young man who won it this past year, is feeling the same way right now. He probably wants to win uh, the Heisman Trophy again. But to me, Woody Hayes and that saying used to stick in my mind. You're getting better, you're getting worse. You never stay the same. So I tried to train like I did the year before or even more. I tried to make sure that I was in the best shape that I could possibly be in. And I just tried to do everything a little bit more to get that opportunity to win a second time. And really, everywhere I'd go, people would be talking to me about winning the Heisman the second time. You think you can do it? They'd pat me on my back say, Archie, you can get it the second time. Well, deep down inside, I didn't know if I could because they had never given it uh, to anyone. But, you know, that was a lot of pressure. It, it really was. But that pressure wasn't relieved for me until one evening I was reading the Bible. came across a, a verse in the book of Psalms, 37, chapter 4, verse said, Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And that verse helped me because my job then was not to worry about winning a Heisman, just you know, be the best person that I could be, and everything else would take care of itself. And as a result, uh, playing for another great team, another group of great coaches, winning a Big Ten championship, and uh, a lot of great things happening during the season, uh, that got me uh, that second Heisman Trophy. But again, uh, the humble part of it is I could not have won a Heisman Trophy by myself. I needed a great cast to make that happen. And I had that at the Ohio State University. Wow, great perspective. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Uh, so after your career, you spent 19 years in the athletic department, right? Yep, 19 years in the athletic department. And then department. 11 years as Alumni Association president. Yes. Mm-hmm. What are some of the leadership lessons you learned and how you try to apply that to the business world? Oh, probably the best lesson. And, and I, I really always try. I'm the type of person to try to keep things simple. The best lesson that I know of in a leadership position is the golden rule. Do unto others as you wish they would do unto you. And to me, all that means is treat people the way you want to be treated. And for me, that's what helped me uh, be successful. And if I had one other thing that I would say is uh, listening. Listen. You learn a lot by listening to people uh, who you work with or you work around, uh, and you can help people when you listen. Uh, those were two great things that, that, that I took with me no matter what position uh, that I had. And I had the opportunity to be around some great leaders. I mean, Woody Hayes, I mean, he was truly an outstanding leader, great person. I mean, he was a guy who had great leadership qualities. He was dedicated, uh, dedicated to the Ohio State University, dedicated to the game of college football, uh, dedicated to the coaches who worked for him and the players who played for him. Uh, he was a disciplinarian. I mean, he, he, he was a guy who set his rules and regulations, and he would enforce his rules and regulations. He was honest. Can't think of a person who was more honest than Coach Woody Hayes. He was extremely honest. But what I like most about him And what I think is the best leadership quality you can have 
is caring. He also cared a great deal about people. And that's what impressed me most about Coach Woody Hayes. He cared about people. I'll never forget when he recruited me uh, to come to Ohio State. Uh, it was my senior year. Uh, again, I, I was recruited late. I was in wrestling season. And he called the wrestling coach's office and, and, and asked if he could uh, speak with me. And the wrestling coach got me out of the locker room and, and, and told me that Coach Hayes was on the phone. I didn't believe him at the time, but I got on the phone, and lo and behold, it was Coach Woody Hayes. And we had a good conversation over the phone, and during the course of the conversation, he invited me to dinner that night at a place that some of you might remember, the old High Live restaurant that was on Olentangy River Road. And I remember hurrying home after wrestling practice, getting dressed up to go to dinner with Coach Hayes, being very excited. I got to dinner with him. We had a good dinner and, and, and had a good conversation, but I also remember at the end of the dinner, I was a little bit disappointed because I didn't think he really wanted me uh, to come to Ohio State after sitting down and talking with him. I remember going home that night and my father was a man who uh, worked three jobs so he came home late and my mother told him that I had dinner with Coach Hayes and he woke me up and he asked me how the dinner went with Coach Hayes because he was excited about uh, the fact that I had had dinner with Coach Hayes and he woke me up and he asked me how the dinner went and I told him I said daddy you know I don't, I don't, I don't think he wants me to play football for him. My father said, well, why do you say that? I said, because he never mentioned one thing to me about football. He said, well, what did he talk about? I said, all evening, all he talked about was an education and, and how important it was for me to get a good education. Well, my father looked me dead in the eye and he said, well, don't you think he's concerned about you as a person and not just somebody who's going to get out on the field, run for a lot of yards and score touchdowns for him? Well, right then, I really didn't know. But he continued to recruit me and I ended up choosing to go to Ohio State University and I want you to know that I am so glad that I did because I'll never forget that very first meeting that we attended as freshmen. And in that meeting, the first thing that he told all of us was that if we were in school for anything else other than to get a good education, that we might as well get up and leave his meeting. He had a saying that I'll never forget. He always told us that an athlete without an education could be headed for a bad situation. And if you think about that, that is so true, especially uh, in today's time and certainly during the time that I played. Because in today's time, when you think about it, there's over 70,000 people that play college football. In the NFL, they'll draft, what, 250, they've got th uh, 31 teams and, and seven rounds of draft, 32 teams and seven rounds of draft, 224 people. 224 out of 70,000, not very good odds you're going to make it. And the point that Woody Hayes always tried to make to us was that you had to have something else to fall back on. And that fallback position that, that he constantly referred to was a good education or a good skill where you could get out and make a good living and be able to provide for your family. So that was his way of showing us that he cared. And uh, Woody Hayes, in my opinion, was a great leader. And his best asset was the fact that he cared so much about all of us. You know, I'll never forget, uh, you're talking about Karen, you know, uh, he, he, he always talked about paying forward, you know, doing things to help other people. That was his mantra. And, and I look today and, and I look around, I hear a lot of people talking about paying forward. Well, the first person I heard that from was Woody Hayes, and he preached that to us every year. And uh, again, he was an aspire of mine. Uh, but he was also a great leader. And uh, a lot of the things that uh, 
I model myself after is the way that he handled people. Now, I don't go around hitting people with that left hand like he did, but, uh, but uh, uh, he, he was a great role model, and, and I love the man to pieces. I mean, the man was, was great. That's great amazing. Leader. Great wow. leader. And his, uh, the legacy lives. It, it lives. So let's talk about those 224 people. Um, a lot of them are getting big contracts before they even hit the draft. Right, with the NIL name, image, and likeness. Oh, yeah, yeah. Things have changed. What do you make of this new era? Well, uh, the NIL, you know, I'm all for players uh, getting uh, something. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, the game of college football at the Division One level, at the level we are at Ohio State University, is, is, is unbelievable. I mean, a lot of you here probably have season tickets, and I guarantee you those season tickets aren't cheap. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it costs a lot. Uh, so more than those tickets. Yeah. So so I you know I, I believe that uh, players should have an opportunity to earn something while uh, they're in college. Now the way that they've got the NIL going, I'm not crazy about. I mean it's 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 like the wild wild west right now. I mean my vision of the NIL was that you know you, you go to college, you're on scholarship. You do something really good, a company interested in you coming, speaking for them, you do that, you should be able to get paid for that. Or a company wants you to do a commercial for them, you should be able to get paid for that. I mean, that's, that was my vision of NIL. I mean, you, you go to college, you're on scholarship just like everybody else, but you do something and somebody wants you to do something and you do it, you can get paid for it. I mean, that, that's what it was to me. But it's totally different. I mean, to get kids now to come, you pretty much have to pay for them to come to school. It's different. I think from an NCAA standpoint and university standpoint, they've got to find a way to put guardrails around this thing. Now, quite frankly, I don't know how they're going to do it. I, I don't know how you put the genie back in the bottle. Right. And it's going to be very, very difficult to do that. But somehow they're going to have to put some guidelines or some guardrails around it so that uh, balance things out, to balance things out. Yeah. or to, to me, to make it even better for everybody. I, I think that's what it was. I mean, but, but, you know, that's what I thought NIL was. Again, I'm too simplistic, and, and uh, they don't make things that simple anymore. But to me, that's what it was all about. Well, so I think I shared with you earlier, I was born in Atlanta, Georgia. Can I have your permission? Can we talk about the Peach Bowl for a second? Oh, Absolutely. We should have beaten you, that's for sure. <laughs> so, I mean, people, you know, watching that game, what was it, 42-41? Yes, wow. And that, you know, end of the game field goal, right? That was tough to watch. Oh, that was, that, that was tough to watch. And what made it even worse is, that, from what I understand, when he kicked the ball, it was New Year's. The New Year yeah, came in. Yeah. And unfortunately, that thing drifted left. And, uh <laughs> Oh, that was heartbreaking because we, we had an opportunity to win a football game against a great, great football team. Right. And uh, it just didn't happen. Uh, but I think everybody who left that game knew that that could have gone either way. Yeah. That could have gone either way. Yeah. I, I'll tell you what, I, I guarantee you the Georgia Bulldogs, uh, oh, they were they're on their knees praying and thanking, thanking, thanking the good Lord of love because the fact that they, uh, they won that game. Because we should have had it. But someone who's on Ohio State and they lose like that, right? They give it their all. I, 
think C.J. Stroud had probably his best game ever. Um, what's your advice? What would you tell someone after such a devastating loss? Well, all, all you can do is give it your best shot. You know, all you can do, if you know inside that you gave everything you have to give, all you can do is accept it. And you know that you did the best you could do. And that's all anybody can ask of anybody in anything, whether it's business, anything, is that you give it your best effort. You do the very best that you could do. You know, when I was growing up, uh, I learned something very early. And in, in, in when I was in junior high school from a, a junior high school guidance counselor, uh, he taught me about what he called the three Ds, desire, dedication, and determination. And when you add those three things up, I call it a total commitment. And uh, he taught me about those three Ds, or he mentioned those three Ds to me. And I tried to apply those three Ds to everything I, I ever do. I mean, desire, you know, you have goals for yourself, dedication, you commit yourself to achieving those goals, and determination, you're trying to overcome the obstacles that might get in your way. And, and if you do those things in anything that you attempt to do, then you can feel good about yourself. If you totally commit yourself to doing the job that's ahead of you, then you can feel good about yourself, no matter what the outcome is. And I'll say this about that football team. I know that they were upset that they didn't win that game because it was right there for them to win. Right. But they laid it all out on the field. Right. They laid it all out on the field. And I, you can't be mad at them. Right, you right. can't be mad at them because they laid it all out. So I want your take. Did you, um, off the record, by the way, did you have targeting on Marvis Harrison Jr.? Do I, do I think? You? I do. Yeah, I, I do. I mean, I mean that, that that hurt us with Marvin Harrison Jr. leaving the game. That 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 hurt us. But in the game of football, you're gonna get some calls in your favor, and you're gonna get some that's not in your favor. You got to be able to uh, go beyond that. You live with it and keep on moving. So we got college spring game just what a week ago. Yeah, the spring game. Uh, we had a spring game, and I, I thought it was a good spring game. Yeah, I heard you scored a touchdown with no one even hitting you. <laughs> I scored a touchdown because nobody tackled me. <laughs> uh, but I, I, that was quite an honor for, for Ryan Day to uh, let me go out there and, 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 and run the ball in the end zone. Uh, behind the scenes little thing is he uh, asked me if I would do that before the game. As a matter of yeah. fact, he, they actually asked me to do that a year ago. Um, and you all remember that uh, our former quarterback got killed. Uh, the week of that, that spring game. And so I didn't think it was a good uh, timing timing to do that yeah. uh, because I certainly didn't want to take any attention uh, right. from anyone else. Uh, but, uh, but he asked me to do it this year, and I was delighted uh, to do it. And I, I uh, went to go in the game. He told me we were going to do it from the five-yard line. But the offense didn't get it down to the five-yard line, so we ended up doing it at the 30-yard line. And then my thoughts, I'm almost 69 years old. I'm thinking, I got to run 30 yards to get this thing in the end zone. (laughs) Is this real? You know, so my whole thought was don't trip, don't fall. And so that's what I concentrated on, not falling. I did give the ball a good grasp. I didn't want to fall. Didn't fumble. They got it in the end zone. And it was very nice of those players to come up and high-five me and all that kind of stuff. But that was a treat. That really was. And, you know, I must have gotten at least 100 calls or texts about that. And that was very nice of Ryan Day to do that. 
uh, to kind of honor me in, in some kind of way. So I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful for that. Brian Day is a great uh, coach that we have at Ohio State, and, and he's doing the right things. Amazing. Great. Everyone, please give it up for Archie Griffin. Thank you all. Appreciate it. Thank you. To listen to all Colo's episodes and see upcoming guests, visit colopodcast.com. We are also on all podcast players. Type in Colot on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Podbean, and Amazon. Share with your friends and please make sure to give us a five-star review. Colot is a project of the Columbus Community Colo, a full-time Jewish learning center in Bexley, staffed with high-caliber Torah scholars. Ever since 1995, boys, girls, men, and women from all backgrounds and affiliations have found many opportunities to connect with Torah and mitzvahs at the Colo. Whether it's a study partner, engaging lesson, or a program, the Kolel is your one-stop shop for all your Jewish learning. If you want to know how you can benefit from the Kolel, visit thekolel.org. That is T-H-E-K-O-L-L-E-L dot org and forever be inspired.